This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. Hey, how's it going? Well, I'm feeling a little better today. Um, I know I've been like in the depressy place and the dark place, as I call it, for a couple weeks now. I'm starting to come out of it. So that's good. Good. Feeling a little bit more like myself, which is nice. I enjoy it when you're more like you. Thank you. How about you? How's it going? Uh, you know, things are going great. Why don't you start with where you're sitting? I am sitting in my new recording studio in my new giant house. Surrounded by clean, beautiful, lovely things with my ring light. Do I look professional now? You do. I need a ring light. It removes all the like impurities on my face. So you don't have any, so you don't really have to worry. I know. But I just need a ring light on me at all times as close as possible. <laughs> well, now I want one because I downloaded TikTok this week and everyone has one. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm not going to lie. That might be what inspired me to get one. Okay. Like, first of all, before I downloaded TikTok, I didn't know how many devastatingly attractive cops and teachers there are out there. Right. <laughs> and I follow them all, I think. I'm just going to start DMing them my number and see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just kidding. I would not send my phone number to a stranger. But I feel like... But yeah, lots of hot guys. Oh, and really hot doctors, too. Oh, I don't follow the hot doctors because I have the most beautiful doctor. I don't need to look at it anymore. Roll your eyes a little bit harder. I couldn't see. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to be subtle. I listened to the Queen's um, address today. Beyonce? No, Queen Elizabeth um, address the nation, not our nation, her own nation, but still, she's more of the leader than the drunk toddler we have in the White House. So, I mean, I you're not wrong. I felt a little, I felt a, a much more uplifted by her words of encouragement. Well, good. That's always nice. And, you know, speaking of, the queen follow us or join our patreon i'm talking about the windsors trying to figure out what i'm gonna do when they stop like when i run out of episodes because they've stopped airing it because cnn sucks um i think at that point you'd get to start making it up i'm not gonna make it up i may just tell the story as i know it well right like you know all the information so Mm -hmm. well i spent part of my day reading Colts uncovered that is a stunning picture of manson right um it's by our friend emily thompson over at the morbidology podcast oh excellent yeah and um i need to get that or yeah, you can send it to me when you're done yeah it's one of the books i was telling you yesterday was on the like 20 percent off because it's easter at target that i was like these two things don't really seem to go together for me yeah um yeah but, so uh, I've been listening to a podcast, speaking of Easter, called Deconversion Therapy, which I love them. They're so funny. It's about two – it's these two women who grew up in, like, evangelical Christianity. Uh, one was a missionary for a long time, and the other one, you know, went to Bible – they all went to Bible college and stuff. So they just – I mean, they've deconverted, but they don't talk I – mean, like, 
people that are still believers are welcome to listen and everything because they just talk about like the crazy stuff that you think it only goes on at your church but happens like everywhere like oh. lock-ins <laughs> they talk about lock-ins and they talk about like christian music and stuff like from when like the night like dc talk <laughs> yes i referenced them the other day yes um, it's really good and it makes me laugh a lot. So see, and that's one that I kind of have avoided because I wasn't sure if they were just going to like trash organized religion. No, okay, good. they really uh, they they do, but they trash like Jim Baker. They trash like the Bethel Church and Joel Osteen and yeah, gotcha. okay, fuck that guy. Okay, <laughs> okay. then yeah. this is definitely my kind of thing because while yeah. I am religious and I go to church as often as I can and like I was in Sunday school through Zoom this morning, I am not a zealot by any means. And Yeah, they re- they really go hard on the zealots, not gotcha. <laughs> normal people. Then, then with all this free time I've got, I might download a couple of episodes. It's pretty fun. Like, you know, they did a... Um, oh, what did they... Oh, they called it something clever, but it was like a face-off between... Um, Jim Baker and uh, Pat Sajak and Vanna White. No, uh, what's his name? The other crazy guy that took over TBN after Baker. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget his name, but mm-hmm. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, the one that went down the water slide in a suit. Yes, <laughs> forget about that. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So they're really funny. I'd recommend that you check them out. And speaking of recommendations, y'all tweet us some podcast recommendations because Aaron's working from home and I'm at home all the time. And are you like, I've got more listening time. I don't know if Aaron does. I do. So I'm always happy listening to listen to something new. Listen, because if I don't get more recommendations and stuff to listen to, I'm going to start making TikToks. And that's where I draw the line. Uh, no, I think official lifetime sentence TikTok. <laughs> you and It'll I... just be me doing dumb dances because I can pick things up by watching it. Right. You're a trained dancer, so that helps. Yeah. Um, and me doing weird Broadway duets. <laughs> Randos. I don't see anything. There's a new Patreon tier you can follow. <laughs> And then, oh, no. and then in a year, we'll do react videos to our old TikToks. Yeah. That'll be the whole Patreon. Yikes. Um, Save us from ourselves is what we're trying to say. Speaking of ourselves, this is Lifetime Sentence, and I'm Paul. And I waited until Aaron I'm, was drinking to uh, yes, introduce us. I'm Aaron. And we're so happy you have joined us today. We're both a little squirrely today. Yeah, I'm really hyper today. I don't know what's wrong with me. But um, this movie, since you said the book was referred to as sensational, I'm going to call the movie also sensational. Fantastic. (laughs) It's like Gossip Girl meets Gilmore Girls meets any, any show or movie with a private school perfect and but it's more gossip girl because there's a lot of sex but um anyways this week i watched restless virgins which is just what i am now (laughs) (laughs) that long huh yeah (laughs) additionally (gasps) 
Um, if, I almost said if I die. I'm going to die one day. If I die under suspicious circumstances, though, I need you to clear my search history because Googling Restless Virgin several times today does not <laughs> help my image at all. <laughs> awesome. Just tell Sarah I get your laptop and I will do, or I'm sorry, you have a, you have a desktop, but I will do the thing. Good. Bright side, it's a Mac. She won't even figure out how to work it. Like you're the only one I've got at this point. True. Um, so this movie stars Vanessa Morano as Emily. She's from Saving Zoe, Switched at Birth, Dexter, and she was in the Gilmore Girls reboot. Oh, okay. I don't guess I know who this is. She played April in the Gilmore Girls reboot, if that means anything at all. Oh, okay. That's the she was actually in the last few seasons of Gilmore Girls, the full show. She's Luke's daughter. Real pretty curly black hair. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um Max Lloyd Jones plays Luke. He's from Wind Calls the Heart. Well. I love when we have a Hallmark Lifetime crossover. Mm-hmm. He's also in Web of Dreams, which is a VC Andrews Lifetime movie. Um and then the planet, the, I'm sorry, War of the Planet of the Apes. So many of those. Um, Charlie Carver plays Dylan. He's from Desperate Housewives. He played Porter Scavo, which was one of the Scavo children. Yeah, okay. Which is Lynette, which is uh-huh. Felicity Huffman, which goes back to Lori Laughlin and, and College of Michigan. Lori Laughlin, <laughs> When Calls the Heart. I mean, like, we are all connected today. It's true. Um, he's also from The Boys in the Band and a show called The Leftovers, which looks kind of like a secular left behind. Okay. Like part of the world's population disappears. Oh, great. So just what happens sure. in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> that got really dark. <laughs> Hi, my name's Paul. <laughs> Jedediah Goodacre? Which is a name. That did he come straight out of um you know, the people an Amish encampment? Like No, but you know what? I, I looked up whether he was related to Jill Goodacre, who used to be the Victoria's Secret model who was on that episode of Friends. Oh yeah. I'm in a vestibule where Jill <laughs> Good Put Joey on the phone. <laughs> yeah. But he does not appear to be. But did you know that Jill Goodacre is married to Harry Connick Jr.? No. Good for both Look, of them. Girl. Like, I don't even know who married up in this situation. I know. <laughs> but Jedediah is from, he was in Tomorrowland, The 100, and a movie called Somewhere Between. Timothy Busfield, he plays who I call the senator because he doesn't have a name. Um, <laughs> okay, Angela. You'll know him from our very first episode. Kill, Calendar Girl Cop Killer? Yes. Who was he? Was he? The, he was the guy. He was the... The husband? The, Roscoe. He was Roscoe. <laughs> <laughs> He's also Danny from the West Wing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is where normal people know him I from. forgot about that. And then finally, we have Christy Burke. She plays Madison. She was in Breaking Dawn. And two Hallmark Christmas movies, Love in Wonderland and a Blue Ridge Mountain Christmas. Two that I have not seen, actually. 
I've only seen one. Um, I'm sorry, Love in Winterland, not Wonderland. I can't read. I'm too spastic today. Okay. Inspired by true story. So you know that word I use, sensational, is correct. Yep. (laughs) Emily voiceover is about Sutton Academy, while kids walk around in uniforms, etc. She says, to understand what happened, you have to understand this place. In different classrooms, students get called to the office, mostly boys, but a couple of girls. They all wait in the hall, and I guess the ringleader, which is Dylan, which is the ringleader, (laughs) tells everyone to just stick to the story. We finally see Emily, and she says that maybe things would look like she was involved, but she's innocent, and any part she seemed to play, looks can be deceiving. (laughs) Man, that sounds like a middle child's way out of anything. I mean, yeah. Cut to a bonfire for a lacrosse team. What? <laughs> That's what I was Okay. Do they also have one for their yacht club? Like, <laughs> I mean, on the spectrum of like bougie white boy sports, lacrosse is not my favorite. So more of a feel. Yeah. One of the girls that um, was in my children's choir forever is a goalie for lacrosse because uh, mm-hmm. we have a lacrosse league here. And yeah. she, um, there used to only be the one league and it was all boys and her. And um, so she trained with all the boys and the girls league opened up. So she went and played in it for one season and she was like, they're all so bad. So she just jumped ship and she's the only girl in the boys league and she kicks ass. Boys are terrified of her, and I love watching her play. That's awesome. I actually, um, when I was in college, we had a lacrosse team. It was an intramural, but um, I had a few friends that played on it, and one of them actually went on to coach the lacrosse team for a while. Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, The future frat bros of America are getting everyone properly excited at the bonfire, Emily goes through the quote-unquote caste system of the school, which is basically cool boys, rich boys, rich and cool girls. Emily, however, is in the group called the Hysterics. So one of the ones she didn't mention? Yeah. (laughs) Please tell me it was a montage from, like, uh, Mean Girls, or it's like, you've got the jocks, you've got the theater kids. (laughs) No. But in in a little bit of a cultural appropriation i think okay they reference a caste system and then emily puts herself at the bottom she doesn't say the the bad word you're not supposed to say but she puts herself at the bottom with her two friends who are both of indian descent oh no i was like oh that's not okay. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's just a real lazy oversight, I think. Yeah. Like, I think it's probably worse that it was not intentional. Yeah. Um, so the head fuckboy, Dylan, gets up and says, quote, My father always says that winners blaze their own trails and losers sit around watching, end quote. And that has to be in a poetry book somewhere. I am positive that is what every... Great explorer who founded America said, Christopher Columbus landed here. He said that word. 
he said that phrase rather. Anyone who's landed on the shore said those words. Then he's like, "Tonight we dine in hell." And, <laughs> oh wait, that's the wrong movie. <laughs> um, he yells something about the depths of their friendships, victory, and honor. This is a high school lacrosse game. It sounds like they're really trying to make this like the Lifetime Dead Poet Society. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Emily's like, honor. And Madison brushes past her and tells her very casually, can you please not tag me at any more pictures? I untagged all of those from us in first year. So thanks. And I was like, oh, so we hate Madison. Got it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Emily's got a crush on Luke, who she thought was nice when he was new, but then he started dating Heather, and so now he's popular because they have sex. I, okay. That's how you get popular? <laughs> Fuck. Man, I'm going to take this true love weights ring. (laughs) (laughs) Did I have one of those? Yes, I did. Uh, But I don't anymore. Uh, We get a really, really, really long shot of Luke's laptop screensaver, which is Heather, like, laying across the beach in a bikini. Oh, good. We needed a gratuitous shot of a 16-year-old girl in a bikini. A shot of, like, 30 seconds. I was like, this is too much. Like, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> um, so they all... Oh, I said, I think this is Luke's room. This is the beginning. And I was like, because they all look the same, and they really do. <laughs> His friend slash twin comes in, Dylan, and asks if he's ready to go because the car is there. Luke asks Dylan if his dad always sends a limo, and Dylan's like, Psh, it's a town car. Besides, he doesn't send it. His assistant does. Oh, well. So sorry. Yeah. Um, so Dylan, apparently, we learned from Emily's next voiceover, made Luke his best friend after Dylan had a three-way with his old best friend's girlfriend, and his old best friend transferred to another uh, boarding school. Okay. <laughs> so the popular boys all go to breakfast with the senator, who is Dylan's dad. And I'm like, oh, I get it. Um, the boys have come to ask the senator if they can use the country club for a party and assure him that what happened last time will not happen again. They'll only use the East Wing. Oh my god. I I just can't even conceptualize a life in which these conversations actually happen, but I'm sure it exists. For some, I know people like this in in real life. No, hard pass. It does exist. I promise. Um, Senator says okay, but only if Dylan goes to visit his grandparents at Christmas. Oh, dad's playing uh, hardball. Yeah, back at school, Emily's working on an article for the newspaper, and her friend is like, let's just quit. We already got into school. And then she, like, turns to Emily, and she's like, 
well, I mean, you got deferred from Harvard and you haven't heard from Princeton, but you're totally going to get into a school. Uh-oh. <laughs> so they go to pass out newspaper copies. Um, these kids go to school in a museum. <laughs> it's all white walls, marble floors. Um, there's two kids in the, or there's two people in the hallway playing the violin for like entertainment while the, everyone walks around. Well, haven't you ever busked in the hallway of your school? No. So this is exactly where I wanted to always go to school. Yeah. Okay. So that sounds like a place I would have thrived in, by the way. Um, Me too. But uh, in college, I did used to just park out in the middle of busy hallways and play because I have really bad stage fright and I had to put on two big performances to get my degree. And so Mm -hmm. I would prep for those by just performing in busy hallways because it was low stress. Like everyone hated the fact that I was playing in the hallway anyway. So like I didn't have to impress anybody and Mm -hmm. it really did help me overcome my fears. Yeah. Like this prep school, like nonsense place is exactly like I would have thrived here. I would have loved it. Um, some guy knocks into Emily and she drops all her papers. She bends down to pick them up while the popular boys rate her looks. Which boys in my school did this and I didn't even have to go to this bougie school. Right. A girl walked in my classroom last year and one of my students just looked over and he goes, five, I'll pass. Do you know how much hell he got? I made him stand up while she rated and critiqued every portion of him and then pulled another kid from another classroom. And I was like, do you like when you're put on display like this? Because that's how every woman you've ever looked at feels. Sit down and shut your mouth and never speak again. Oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> I called his mom and I was like, Hey, I did this. And she was like, good. He needed it. Like, <laughs> Um, so Luke is on the phone talking about financial aid, but he hangs up to help Emily pick up her papers. She thanks him, and then she voiceovers that the senior handoff is coming up, which is when the seniors take something important and give it to the underclassmen to, like, leave a legacy at the school. Okay. What would... Okay, let's imagine we're seniors in high school. Mm-hmm. What's the thing you hand off to leave your legacy? no idea by the time i was a senior i was injured so i wasn't dancing anymore i was just try- trying to get the fuck out of town seriously same i think it might have just been a picture of me flipping off the camera like by senior year <laughs> i had given up all fucks yeah senior year i did not care anymore i was like just get me out of here um the lacrosse boys Tell Luke they're thinking about hiring hookers for the underclassmen, like you do. Um, Luke's girlfriend storms up, and she's like, she like storms up out of nowhere, and she's like, you're calling me horizontal, Heather? (laughs) If I wasn't before, I am now. I am now. (laughs) (laughs) They fight about how Luke told everyone they're having sex. And he's like, it's just locker room talk. And then I had to lock myself in a closet and scream into a pillow because I started having 2016 flashbacks. <laughs> or maybe more like John Tucker must die. 
At least in 2016, I could leave my home and yell with my friends about it. <laughs> Fair enough. Heather calls Luke fake and says, Dylan and Cotton. I can't believe this kid's name is Cotton. He's the kid that comes from Texas, obviously. <laughs> oh, no. But his parents are in oil, so why did they name him Cotton? Because their first daughter was oil. And then their second kid was tobacco. So all that's left at that point is cotton. Well, maybe like, maybe you could do like Jack for like a pump jack. Okay, don't speak logical now. These are rich people. <laughs> um. Anyway, so she says Dylan and Cotton thought he was a loser before he she started dating him. And then she's like, but I'm not dating you anymore. And she like, walks <laughs> Well, congratulations. <laughs> um. Luke goes and lays on his bed and whines about how amazing Heather was while Dylan, Cotton, and some other dude try to hype him up. Luke's roommate, Raj, who was one of Emily's friends, asks him to please take it outside because he's working on a project. But instead, Dylan tells him that this is actually his room because his grandfather paid for the dorm to be built. And the roommate scholarship was also paid for by his family. So technically, Dylan owns the roommate and the dorm. Hey, you can go fuck yourself sideways. <laughs> um, lacrosse game time. Yay! The senator is there, and Heather comes with another boy. But his teammates tell him to get his head in the game, and I, like, half expected them to all burst get into your, song. Get your head in the game. You gotta get a, get a, get a, get a head in the game. <laughs> What's really funny is I almost sang High School Musical earlier when we were talking, and I don't remember now amazing we're on the same wavelength um they don't but they do win the game emily finds out she didn't get into princeton at the game so she goes to cry in the bathroom like you do right Mm -hmm. um the senator is not there to see the game or see the win he sees like the first part of the game but then he leaves you can see Dylan, like, looking for his dad. Which doesn't give him a license to be an asshole. I just want to say that. Um, right. After the game, the guys tattoo Luke's inner thigh in the locker room, which seems like such a bad idea. You don't have a friendship inner thigh tattoo? Here, do you want to see mine? Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't. But also, get a tattoo in a tattoo parlor and definitely not in a dirty locker room where high school boys do things. Um, Literally anything high school boys do. Yeah, exactly. I have one. I know. (laughs) Um, Then the guys go to a party in the senator's Land Rover. Cotton goes in to get the party favors drugs and comes out with a the new info that luke didn't actually ever have sex with heather no wonder she was so pissed (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah he like admits it he's like oh yeah we were waiting and so they all make fun of him which is dumb but um Emily and Anya are walking to the party in the rain. Anya, her friend, would rather stay home and watch Hoarders. And I was like, same girl. Right. (laughs) 
and Lee's in a bad mood and she's like, we are seniors. We spent the whole uh, four years in the library. We're going to have fun. And so she like stomps to the party to have fun. Oh, <laughs> great, great. Yeah. Um, this country club party has like way more than the 40 people Dylan promised his dad would be there. Um, everyone's drinking and taking what I think is supposed to be ecstasy. Uh, Luke throws his off the balcony like while everyone else is taking theirs. <clears throat> they start talking about the senator ha- or the senior handoff again and how it has to be epic. And okay, so they're all sitting around drinking and I'm sorry, Lifetime. Have you ever heard of a mixer? <laughs> no. No, they never do. Anytime I've watched any of these. There is no high schooler anywhere that sits around drinking out of a bottle of vodka with a straight face. (laughs) That is for adulthood. Right. You have to have seen some shit to get to that point. It's true. Um, The guys all go downstairs, but Luke stays upstairs to finish his bottle. Emily seriously party fouls and spills her drink all over herself. She stumbles into the pool area where most of the popular guys are having sex with girls in the hot tub. Don't do that. That's so gross. That is a cesspool. Yeah, exactly. Um, she runs out and goes, Oh, say they see her and she runs out and goes downstairs and finds Luke sitting in an empty golf cart. She's lamenting about not getting into school and he's lamenting about not being able to pay for school. Then they start making out, which, yeah, they're both drunk, so. Uh, Then we cut to everyone watching Luke and Emily make out on the security camera. No, poor thing. And they start making fun of them, but, so Anya sees them and, like, runs downstairs and is like, everyone is watching you. And so they both get up and start to, like, put their clothes back on. And then Luke, like, throws up in a trash can. (laughs) Oh, no. Hmm. Um, but thankfully it helps Dylan figure out what they're going to leave the underclassmen oh great uh sex tape just what I always want do do you give store credit or like does it come with a gift receipt um no no let me explain this sex tape because I've never heard of anything dumber in my entire life I can't wait it's a group sex tape with everyone in their lacrosse uniforms in the locker room. And it'll be their last victory. Um, hey, rich white kids, do you take constructive criticism? <laughs> I was like, oh, no, that's really dumb. <laughs> I can't wait to see what happens next. <laughs> um... Luke is hesitant, but Dylan is like, people will know I was the man here. And boy, do I wish we could interview him now. (laughs) See how he feels about all of this. (laughs) Emily tries to talk to Luke in the hallway, but he ignores her and I get secondhand embarrassment. So I hide behind a pillow. Um, He says that they should just pretend it never happened. Um, Luke goes home and stares at Heather's Facebook page like he needs to get a life. He starts to write her a message, but then doesn't. 
Emily is depressed about nobody liking her. She says it's Sutton, but I'm here to tell her it's not the school, it's life. Um, boys never like cool girls. Sorry about it. Um, Emily is having a complete spiral meltdown and changes the name of her article that she's writing to, quote, Sluts Prevail, an expose of the sexual currency at Sutton. I mean, that's kind of good, though. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't agree with slut shaming, but that's kind of good. She, then she, like, her cooler head prevails and she changes it to, quote, an introduction to the caste system at Sutton. And didn't we get that at the beginning of this movie? Yeah, we've already d- talked about the problems there. Yeah. That is not article-worthy. <laughs> In history, Luke is trying to pass Heather notes, but she won't take them. This class looks more like a 4,000-level college class or a graduate seminar um, because it's, like, 10 people sitting around a table. Perfect. <laughs> Um, history teacher pairs them up to do a final project. Emily picks Luke. Shocking. Um, he may have had a head injury. I'm not sure because he legit like acts like he has no idea what she's talking about when she's like, I don't want to be your partner. He's like, what do you mean? Here's my number. Call me. Bye. And I'm like, huh? Whatever. Um, they decide... Oh, so they meet in the library to work together on the project, but they seem to differ on, like, every single opinion that one can have. Uh, They decide to do Rosa Parks as their project, and Emily Cooley tries to leave for her quote-unquote date, but she's a little too over-enthusiastic, so she doesn't quite sell it. (laughs) She goes back to her dorm um, to lay on her bed and lament about how nobody wants to date her. Okay, I had several dates like that in high school. (laughs) But then she calls this guy that she had been seeing who does go to Harvard, and she's like, let's go out, I guess. He picks her up, and he's like, what do you want to do tonight? You want to go see a movie? And she deadass turns around and says, actually, I'd like to have sex. You know, she knows what she wants. She's like, way to be chill, girl. Right. Um, Luke is watching the senator on TV denying that he ever got into a drunk driving accident 25 years ago. Um, Harvard boy buys Emily some vodka um, and some condoms. This is like the most romantic. That is a balanced meal. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Done some weird shit, but I've never eaten a condom. (laughs) No, that's like a champagne flute. You have to pour... The vodka straight into the, and then you, like, beer bong it. There's, like, chemicals in there. Ew! (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So, they're, like, making out, and he's like, don't. Don't be afraid to be extra loud because I really like it. And I was like, oh, oh honey. So, <laughs> someone needs some fulfillment. <laughs> um, so they keep making out, but Emily's like, nope, can't do this. Take me home. <laughs> um, the lacrosse boys steal the coach's keys for their, like, to get into the locker room for their sex tape. There's another party. Luke sits all by himself. But Madison, who is both Heather and... And Emily's ex-best friend takes him upstairs to smoke out of a mannequin head bong. Okay, she sounds chill. Mm. Oh, no. 
she's she's not a bad she's she is not the bad guy in this movie but it just doesn't seem like there are that many good guys in this movie there's not um but the mannequin head bong i respect that um emily also goes to the party for some reason she like never went to parties before and now she's been at two in like the last week Um, well that's what happens when you don't get into college yeah. Upstairs, Luke and Madison are making out. He asks if she has condoms, and she's like, no, but I have morning after pills. As a man, I'm reserving anything that I could possibly say. Listen, if you have the need to use a morning after pill, do it. But you should also use another form of protection when you're having sex, because morning after pills do not protect you from STDs. Thank, Thank you, you for coming to my TED Talk. Thank you for saying all the things that I wanted to say, but I will <laughs> never step into that water because it is not my place. Yeah. Um, but so they're making out and her ex-boyfriend storms in and starts yelling at them. Um, so Luke like runs downstairs and Emily's like, oh my God, are you okay? She tries to be funny. Um, she's like, oh, I have some drugs that'll make you feel better. And she pulls like ibuprofen out of her like jacket. She's like, I have ibuprofen. <laughs> oh. Um, she's very cute. Um, Would have been better if it were like, Pez. Yeah. He is super embarrassed. So he's like, I'm going to go. And he leaves. Um, Emily goes to spy on Madison and Max, which is exactly what I would have done. Um, and Madison says she won't take Max back um, for whatever reason they broke up. And Max, who two seconds ago was begging her to forgive him, says, quote, you have all this attitude because you're kind of hot, but you're boring. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's part, step two of begging. So step one is it looks like begging, like what you expect. But then guys have a second level that's, it's, it's like, um, you know, that, hold on. It's like those guys that catcall you on the streets. Right. And then when you don't respond, like, take me home and, and have sex with me, they're like, oh, well, you're ugly anyway. Yeah, it's reverse psychology. Because if direct psychology didn't work, then the only other option is reverse psychology. Because it can't be that you're not into me. The option is, you either want me to talk nice to you, aka cat call, and you're into me. Or you want me to talk mean to you, and you're into me. Those are the only two options you've got. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, I'm starting to not be so restless in my virginity anymore. Thank you're you. Um <laughs> So then he throws on top, quote, you know why your parents are never home? Because nobody actually cares about you. Oh, that's the lowest blow. I was like, ooh, that crossed a line. Um, So Madison and Emily, like, talk it out on the front porch. And I guess they kind of make up. Um, Emily, like, makes the big step to add Luke as a friend on Facebook. Ooh. Hmm. They meet to work on the project, and after the library closes, he sneaks her into his room to study. And man, I miss living in a dorm sometimes. <laughs> nope, never do. No, I don't either. But it was fun to try to sneak boys into the dorm. That was fun. Um, so, shit. I scrolled too far. So, they go to his dorm room but luke is all stressed out about a carving on his desk that he found that says quote lucas 22 
which is from a student in 1922 that lived in the same room. This has given Luke some kind of existential crisis at the ripe old age of 16. <laughs> they talk about the school a little, and then they start making out. Like, you know, everyone does. Right. Well, that's what I do after I find out that there was a man in 1922 who had my name. Hmm. I just make <laughs> out with the closest living creature. <laughs> Uh, Luke confesses that he's a virgin, and Emily's like, "You're a romantic." Uh uh-uh. <laughs> uh. Uh-uh. Oh. Oh. <laughs> this is canceled. I can't. I can't go on. Um. So. Oh, I wrote, God, I miss making out, which I really do. I really do miss making out with people. That's my favorite thing. Um, Someone knocks on the door and Emily freaks out that it's an RA, but it's just Dylan and Cotton. So she's like hiding under the bed and they want to go out. They want to go scope out something for their plan. So he leaves Emily in his room alone. No! And goes, guys. (laughs) Yeah. Um... It's going to be too dark, though. Oh, they go to check out where to put the camera. It's going to be too dark, though, so for them to make their little uh, sex tape. Never fear, though, because they're going to borrow the night vision camera from Luke's roommate and use it that to film it. Luke's roommate? Was that Raj? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Is it borrowing if he doesn't let you use it? Isn't it just stealing and then you're rich so you think you can give it back and say I'm sorry? No, they pay him $200 to borrow it. Okay, well then. Borrow away for $200, thanks. Mm -hmm. They're all talking about where they're going to find girls that will let themselves be filmed. And Dylan responds with the greatest line I've ever heard. Quote, we don't have to tell them they're being filmed, douche. Uh... No, that was the end of the line. Douche. Hey, friend of douche. <laughs> hey, Dylan, listen, it's just me and you right now. No one else is listening. And so we can just be real and honest with each other. You can go fuck yourself right now <laughs> and probably get castrated. Wow. Yeah. That That's not okay. That's not mm-hmm. okay. It's never okay to film someone without their consent. If you want to make a sex tape... Go on your, like, do your thing. Make a sex tape with someone that consents to make a sex tape with you. It's fine. Don't film somebody without them knowing it. That's very bad. Um, Emily is talking with her friends about maybe asking Luke to go to a lecture at Harvard about Rosa Parks. Um, And her friends are like, you're wrong and stupid. So she does the only thing you can do in that situation. She says something passive aggressive and storms off. Well, I mean, we've all been there. Yeah. So she asks Luke out and he agrees to go. The bell rings and the hall clears. So Emily overhears Madison on the phone with her parents who seem to really actually not care about her, which is totally their fault, by the way, not Madison's. But it's really sad. Right. Like, she's on the phone with them, and I guess her parents are, like, upset because the cleaning bill has gone up, like, to clean the house. And she's like, why do you care that the cleaning bill's gone up? You haven't been home in two months. And then 
like I guess her parents like I'm not mad at you and she's like well why why aren't you mad at me like you I like maybe you should be mad at me like I don't know but she's like crying it's really sad mm. um she is crying and she tells Emily that she's because Emily's like do you want to go study and she's like no I'm just gonna go or yeah she's like I'm gonna go study in my room which is code for I'm gonna go cry in the bathroom right everybody wants to know. um then we get a cute montage of Luke and Emily getting ready for their not date to Harvard. Oh. They go to dinner and Luke pays and then they decide to skip the lecture and go to a carnival. And it's so cute. I'm such a dork. This is totally the perfect date. I would love it if someone took me to a carnival. <laughs> I mean, not right not right now though. Not right now. No, 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 not during uh the corona apocalypse, no. Um they Talk about capitalism, which always gets those teenage hormones going. God, um, if somebody would talk about capitalism with me right now. Uh, pass. <laughs> Let's talk about capitalism, baby. Let's baby. talk about you talk and about me. You and me. <laughs> so they make out under a um, balloon arch. And... Luke gets a text from Dylan that everything is going to go down that night. So he's like, uh, 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 I gotta go. And he leaves. Dylan is wearing the world's douchiest cream sweater, which means absolutely nothing except it's gross. <laughs> um, he, he gets the camera from Raj and sets it up. Luke's car won't start. So he has to get a tow truck and he doesn't make it to the filming. Um, a girl walks into the locker room from behind, you can tell that it's Madison. And so the guys who are there all start making out with her. And then we cut to them watching the film later and laughing about it because, of course, they are. Um, Luke comes in to see. So the guys decide they're going to blur. Oh, okay. He comes in to see and they're, like, talking about what they're going to do. They decide they're going to blur their faces and their numbers and nobody will ever say anything about it. Which, since they're 18 and stupid, this should last about 35 seconds tops. Oh, 18. I want to give it 32 seconds. You're <laughs> much kinder than I am. Um, da, 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 da. So Dylan's like, hey, you missed out, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, but by the way, go take this stuff back to Raj. So Luke grabs all the camera equipment to give back to his roommate and he grabs, like, a little, like, SD card off the table. He's like, hey, is this um, Raj's? And he's like, oh, yeah, this is all, that's all Raj's. Like, just take it. He's not paying attention. He's just watching the video. Um, so after he goes back to his room, Luke video calls Emily. Um, and they have a quick chat. He tells her he had a lot of fun with her and they should hang out again. And meanwhile, over in frat boy land, all these guys start running their mouths about what they did. So the whole school knows in like five, five minutes. Right. Um, the guys all decide to dress as risky business for the handoff. And this is not like a secret, like ritual handoff type thing, which is what I thought maybe it was. Right. This is school assembly. No. No! <laughs> like, the headmaster is there. Um, nobody claps for the newspaper staff. <laughs> um, 
everyone does like a little presentation show. Um, Luke's having second thoughts about distributing the video. So Dylan tells him to suck it up and not be such a dork. And maybe he'll get laid someday. As the guys are getting up to give their presentation, Emily, as the editor of the school newspaper, gets a copy of the video. So in her, assuming that Luke was there because he left her that night. Right. In all of her rationality and level-headedness, she decides that she's going to post the video so everyone can watch it. No! Um, the guys are all at a having a party, which they're all having a party with just guys. And I'm like, don't y'all like rule the school and you're all like, y'all are the cool boys. What are you doing hanging out with each other? Um, <laughs> um, so Dylan's like, oh, one of the guys is like, what happened to Luke? And Dylan's like, I didn't invite Luke because all his negativity is so middle class. Oh, my God. <laughs> Luke tracks down Emily, who is just raging about how he left her at the carnival to go film this video, which he's not even in. Right. But all, but their, all their faces, faces are blurred. blurred. So she can't tell. Yeah. Um, and Luke he begged- did leave her to film the video. He just didn't he- make it. Yeah, he's like, my car broke down. And she's like, oh, good for you. Like, your car broke down, so you didn't make it. That makes everything better. <laughs> um, he begs her not to post the video. He's like, that's Madison. Like, what are you doing? But she's like, I can't take it back. I already did. Um, Emily gives zero fucks today. So, of course, the whole school sees the video and starts talking about Madison instead of the boys who... Filmed her without her consent. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I hate it. Thanks. Uh, Madison runs out of school crying. Dylan and co. go to the juniors and are like, what the fuck? Like, what did you do with our vid? Like, why did you pass this around? But the juniors are like, we didn't do anything. And um, they start to get in a fight, but Cotton steps up and confesses to passing it, like, around. So then he and Dylan have a fight. Uh, Madison goes into the shower in her clothes and cries it out, which I've been there. (laughs) Um, Emily. Oh, no. Sorry. Dylan calls Senator Daddy to fix it. Okay. Yeah. Um, So we see everyone get called into the office. Emily goes, and instead of being lauded or even, like, slightly admonished for bringing the situation to light... She gets recommended for expulsion. Great. I love it. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Dylan is busy coming up with a scheme to save all of their asses, except his scheme is to throw Luke under the bus since he can't afford to go to college and go on his merry way with no consequences. Then when Luke is expelled for his quote unquote behavior, Dylan's family will pick up the tab for him to finish at a different boarding school and then go to Yale when he's finished. Uh, okay, listen, as somebody who really wanted to go to Yale, like that was my life stream, I might have been the fall guy if it was a guaranteed pay to Yale. <laughs> Look, that would have been hard. Right? Because he was like, you want to take your mom to Paris for Christmas? Go. You want to go to spring break in 
Um, San Tropez, go. Like, do whatever you want. We'll pay for it. My dad will give you a trust fund. Oh, man. I would have let my record be all marked up. I was like, a blank check for that? <sighs> Nobody can even see my face. Right? Also, I have. A, I want to point out that they didn't blur Madison's face. Oh, naturally. I knew. You didn't even have to say that for me to know that happened. I'm just, it just makes me mad. It's just infuriating okay um so but luke oh so luke like leans over his desk and he makes eye contact with the luke is 22 and he's like i'm in okay that's his spirit guys telling you what happens yeah <laughs> um i was like oh don't let me down lukey Emily is walking on campus and sees Luke sitting under a tree in the school cemetery. Casual. <laughs> Luke found the other Lucas. He's dead. No. Because he went to school in, <laughs> in 1922. <laughs> <laughs> um, they apologize to each other for being stupid teenagers. And then they make out in a in cemetery. In a cemetery. Hmm. That's almost as good as all of the Hallmark Christmas movies that say like, oh, this is our song and it's like away in a manger. Like this is the same weird on the other end. Yeah. I think my favorite one was, um, oh, holy night. And they were Uh like, this is our song. Yeah. The fuck? (laughs) Weird. Um, finally, Oh, then they start talking about, like, the infinite universe theory. Why not? Right. Well, they've already covered capitalism, so that's next. Like, they're really taking this relationship to places. And then they finally start talking about the upcoming hearing. And Luke tells Emily about Dylan's grand scheme to get off scot-free and let Luke's, and set Luke up for life. So Emily decides to go the extortion route and confronts Dylan in the hallway about how she knows that he was in the video. He also offers her whatever she wants to keep her mouth shut. So the day before, so then we go to the day before the hearing. Um, Emily gets a call from Harvard. Holy shit. Yeah. And she and Luke are talking in the library when um, Raj storms in and he's like, I think he was expelled. And they, he was expelled because they go into it in the next scene and he's like screaming. He's like, this is all y'all's fault. Like, I didn't even do anything. Like, this is everyone else's fault. And then he like storms out. So Luke goes to confront Dylan on the track, but Luke or, but Dylan tells him to stop caring about other people and that sometimes people have to go by the wayside and you have to keep going. Man, he is the son of a politician. Mm hmm. He tells, Luke, just to stick to the story. And I'm like, God, I hate him. Um, It's hearing day. Emily comes into Luke's room to clear her conscience. Um, Raj's Roomba, which like the whole time they have this Roomba in their room and it's always like being annoying. Like it's always annoying Luke. Okay. He's always like, your Roomba's hitting me in the foot or whatever. So the Roomba's still going around the room and it hits Luke's foot and he kicks it into a corner and it breaks. And he bends down to pick it up and finds the memory card he picked up the night of the incident. Okay. Um, so 
they go to oh emily goes to try to try to talk to anya who tells her off so perhaps that's the kick in the old morals that she needs right um we're at the hearing and two of the boys admit to being at the incident they skip over dylan i guess for suspense effect um and then they call on luke he denies being there and says he has proof that he wasn't there he holds up the SD card and says it's a copy of the unaltered video with everyone's face in it. So the administrator is like, okay, we're going to recess and watch this due to the sensitive nature of the film, right? So they recess and Dylan's like, you're going down, whatever. They come back and say the card is blank. No. Daddy's got deep pockets. Uh-huh. But Emily holds up a recording of her phone from the day she confronted Dylan in the hallway. And I was like, Queen, look at you. Um, the hearing is over and Dylan confronts Luke and Emily again and tells them about how this is all going to blow over because people don't really care about scandals and whatever. You know, it's only news for like two weeks and then it goes away. They're like, yeah, we know. Um, so Luke and Emily sit on the stairs together and they talk more about Infinite Universe. So um, while Dylan and the other guys... They got expelled. Um, Madison takes a leave of absence from the school. Um, Emily gets 320 hours of community service, which she laments about while in bed with Luke. So I don't feel all that bad for her. Right. Um, And at the end, Luke and Emily are getting ready to leave. And Luke carves under the Lucas 22, Lucas H 2012. Oh. Yeah. Well, you know, there was no murder. This was There was a, no murder. This was a wild ride, but there was no murder. I was actually afraid for a little while that Madison was going to um, complete suicide. And I was like, oh, no, 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 please don't. Please yeah. don't. Yeah, no joke. I felt terrible for her. Oh, that poor girl. All right. Well, are you ready to hear about um, the real school? Boy, am I. All right. So, Restless Virgins um, is a book, as you mentioned, that uh, Mm -hmm. was written based on a scandal that occurred at Milton Academy. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about Milton Academy. But um, first, let me tell you about my sources. First, there was, Mm -hmm. of course, Wikipedia. Good old wiki. Um... And then also the Milton Academy School website, mm-hmm. um, Boston.com. Their news section had an article by Michael Levinson and Jenna Russell. Mm-hmm. Boston Magazine had a story by John Gonzalez. The Patriot Ledger had an article by Aaron Tiernan. And NBC Boston had an article by Ali Donnelly. All of these helped me create my notes today. And I don't know a ton about Milton, except it's super bougie. Yeah, so I'm going to tell you the history of the, or not necessarily the history, but some facts about the school to kind of set the scene. So from Wikipedia, quote, Milton Academy, also known as Milton, is a co-educational independent preparatory boarding and day school in Milton, Massachusetts, consisting of a grade 9 through 12 upper school and a grade K through 8 lower school. Boarding is offered starting in the ninth grade. Also, I'm real good at typing, and I wrote a board chin school. So that tripped me up just now. All right. 
The Milton Academy was founded by a Massachusetts bill granting a charter in 1798, but operations ceased in 1866 with the opening of the public Milton High School. So Milton is a little town that's, um, it's a, a literal suburb of Boston. It's like eight miles from downtown Boston. Um, so let's see the, in the institution, however, was reestablished in 1884. So about, uh, 15 years after it closed, uh, on a new 125 acre site by John Murray Forbes with the approval of the old board of trustees on this 125 acres. There are eight residential houses, which house between 31 and 48 students each. According to their website, Milton has an enrollment of 730 students, 333 of whom live on campus. 12% so about of, half. Yeah. 12% of them are international students, and their website boasts 44% of the students are of color on their Quick Facts page because they really want to show that they're not just for the white elite. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're also for the people of color elites, right? So, and all of their <laughs> photos, like it's so funny to look at the propaganda on this website because all of their photos has like a redhead, an Asian, and then somebody of a different color or ethnic background, just to show that they have everybody. Like, <laughs> look, even gingers are allowed. They have everybody and everybody's friends. Right. It's like every college. Uh Uh-huh. Every brochure. Mm -hmm. Um, So the average class size is 14 kids. And you mentioned that, that it looked like a graduate class because they were only like 10 kids. So the average class size is 14 kids. And honestly, that sounds like a teacher's dream. Teaching small classes really makes it easier to dig in deep to material um, and like really can give you that dead poet society kind of vibe where you get to get in deep and know your kids and build that really close bond. Um. So Milton employs 140 faculty members, 75% of whom have advanced degrees. 80% of the faculty live on campus Hogwarts style. Cool. And Milton teachers make between $69,000 and $75,000 annually. So honestly, sign me up. That almost makes it worth having gotten my master's degree. That Uh, is more than I make. (laughs) That's more than I make. Um, notable alumni from Milton include T.S. Eliot, the Nobel Prize winning poet and playwright. Jenny Slate, a cast member from Saturday Night Live. She's, oh my God, I love Jenny Slate. Uh-huh. She's Jane in Big Mouth, which I love. And, um, you know, she has a lot she of voiceover great, work. She has a great stand-up special on Netflix, too. It's oh, I'll really have to funny. watch it because I do enjoy her. I didn't realize that she had a stand-up special. Um, and then Robert F. Kennedy and Ted Kennedy. And then my sure. my personal musical idol, James Taylor. They're all notable alumni, so um, I'll take that any day. Um, sure. Milton also boasts offering $11.4 million in financial aid each year, which is good because the cost of tuition for one student is more than I make in a year. Commuter students pay 51460 yearly, while students who... Uh, live on campus, pay an additional $10,500 to board. So it costs $61,960 to live on campus at Milton. So I could send my kid there, but I'd have no place to live, nothing to eat. Right. 
nothing, nothing. Maybe he could hide you under the bed and you could, he could sneak you food from the dining hall. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, They have a 100 member student orchestra, four acapella groups and 10 student run publications. Holy crap. (laughs) This sounds like a, okay. Like it's bougie as fuck, but also I want to go to school there. Right. They have 12 different athletic fields with 15 girls athletic teams and 15 boys athletic teams, but their quick facts page doesn't mention what these sports are. I imagine lacrosse is in there. I imagine it's lacrosse, rugby, tennis. They probably have a golf team. Um, Rowing. Rowing. Um, And then probably like your baseball. Street, or field, not street hockey, field hockey. (laughs) (laughs) The site does mention that 100% of their students are involved in either intramural, uh, intramural, interscholastic, or physical education classes, so go off, I guess. Um, Milton boasts 20 social events for students each month, and I'm exhausted just hearing that. Um, they show 15 movies each year, and they have seven dances on site every year. This is like where you go to prepare to be in a collegiate um, uh-huh. Panhellenic or IFC group and also balance your studies. Yep. Um, the website is really full of good propaganda that really made me want to go teach at Milton, if I'm being honest. Like peppered around the site are things like being smart. And, this is a quote that's on the site. Being smart and interested is easy, fun, and normal. Although they did leave off the serial comma there, and I really can't stand behind any educational institution that denies the importance of the Oxford comma. The Oxford comma rules all. (laughs) Uh, Another quote was, you'll be prepared to take AP tests even if the course is not labeled AP. And another, teachers are ready and willing to help you outside of class. Great. That's a good start. I like that because that's just how like normal teachers who like their job operate, right? And then it continues... Quote, students visit faculty in their dorms. Uh, no. That's a big note from me. Hard pass. That is how you get a sex scandal, for sure. (laughs) And they call faculty at home for help. No, do not call me at home. I work all hours of the day, but I get to get away from my phone, like, from my phone ringing. Send me an email. Ooh, food appeared. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So, and I said, it all sounds a little culty, but also a little bit like Chilton Academy, that private school from Gilmore Girls. So it's funny that you mentioned it too. Yeah. Um, And so, since Milton seems like such a dream world, it's the perfect paradise of learning and education. And not a single person thinks that that many hormones living together is a bad idea. I mean, how could it be? Um, You can imagine how shocked... Because we teach abstinence-only education. Right. You can imagine how shocked the Boston area and the parents of Milton Academy were when they read headlines of students being expelled in mass because of sexual misconduct. Let me just say there is nothing less shocking <laughs> right? than that. Right? Nothing. So, um, but in February of 2005, that's exactly what happened. A news report mm. from Boston.com explained that, quote, the school's decision to expel five male students for receiving oral sex from a 15-year-old sophomore girl was excruciating by necessary... Uh, 
was excruciating but necessary to send a strong message to students. And this is where the real story varies a lot from the fictionalization is this girl was 15 and it was seniors. Like 18 to 15 is a big difference. Um, especially whenever laws are written and we'll talk about the way laws are written in a minute. Yeah. But, um, so Milton's community was in an uproar after learning that star players from their hockey team were expelled from the quote, picturesque private campus, which yes, it's gorgeous. You should look up pictures. So is this ice hockey or field hockey? You know, I'm still not sure because I, like I think, Hockey, like ice hockey is a big thing in the Northeast, but I mean, do you really, you have an ice hockey rink like on your campus? That's pretty rad. As I say, they're rich. They, well, who knows? Um, Google it. Yes. So, um, let's see. After, so they were expelled from the private campus after a three-day school investigation found that they had requested and received oral sex from a classmate in a school locker room. Yes. It is ice hockey. Okay. Thank you. Um, Which I love some ice hockey. I uh-huh. love to watch. We have a little semi-pro team here that are so fun to go watch. They're all awful. Yeah. <laughs> we have, I think we have, well, we had like a semi-pro team and they, I think they took a step down in like what level of pro, I don't know. They still play. There's dollar beer night. It's fun. Whatever. Gotcha. <laughs> um, so in the early days of reports, students spoke out on the promise of anonymity And so one student told Boston.com that, quote, the sex acts were reportedly performed by the girl as a birthday present for one of the boys. So, listen, Erin, I don't like sharing my birthday. And I don't like the idea of other people getting things on my birthday. So there's not a moment in my entire life that I'd be like, hey, you know what I want instead of a cake this year? I want you to blow me. And then blow my four buddies and we'll call our dicks the candles and you can make a wish, baby. Like, what the fuck? That's what they did? I don't know. That's me. Oh, <laughs> me oh deciding. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, now that I've said it, it's, it's fact. <laughs> There's one thing about, like, doing sexual favors to your significant other on their birthday or a holiday or whatever. Right. Go off. Do your thing. But the minute my significant other's like, and also to my friend, I'd be like, oh, no. Mm -mm." (laughs) Oh, I'm busy that night. Thanks. Yeah. Super busy. Forever. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. So, I just, that story does not sound plausible. But at the same time, kind of none of this sounds plausible and all of it sounds plausible at the same time. This is like the Schrodinger's uh, sex scandal. Schrodinger's sex scandal. Got it. Um, So this was, like I said, uh, you know, a big deal to Massachusetts, especially to the ivory halls of Milton. Um, In... Massachusetts specifically, legally nobody under the age of 16 can give dissent, consent. So, um, 
this quote came from RBG gives dissent. <laughs> right. <laughs> Consent, sorry. Uh quote, under state law, anyone who has sexual intercourse or unnatural sexual intercourse. <laughs> oh, get off with that. <laughs> Shut up. Is uh with someone under sixteen can be imprisoned for life by for statutory rape. Even if the sex is consensual, explained a spokesperson for the Norfolk District Attorney's Office. Yeah, this gets really jumbled when it comes to kids like this age. Right. Because they're all in the same school, so nobody's like... It's natural for those kids to be around each other, and eventually someone's going to hook up. So it's... I don't... it, It gets very... Uh huh. Cloudy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So many students were outraged at the decision of their school because this, um, like, have you ever read Looking for Alaska? No. So I really love that book, and they just made it into a series on Hulu. I haven't watched it yet. But, oh, nice. Uh, um, so in Looking for Alaska, there's this, like, so it's the reason that this book is challenged and banned often in fact is because there's a blowjob scene it's at a um boarding school it's um so there's this like really awkward blowjob scene and john green right wrote about how he wrote it in there to show how like sex is not the thing that is intimate that intimacy is something different that yeah. That sex and intimacy come together, but not always. You know, it's a very complex set of emotions yeah, yeah. for teenagers to understand. It is. So, um, and it's, it's interesting because, like, it wasn't until you said John Green that I was like, oh, this is a newer book. Because, like, yeah. when I was in high school and evangelical and wearing my true love weights ring and extremely repressed sexually, I sought out, like, every single book that had a sex scene in it and I read it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so the whole point of the scene Judy is that, Bloom like, was my life uh, line. Oh, God, I love her. Um, <laughs> oh, God. So he wrote this scene that teachers deem unnecessary, but I think it's so important to show, like, how relationships actually work because then yeah. um, the main character has this very intimate scene where nothing happens with another girl, and mm-hmm. that's how he starts to understand the complexities of relationships. And so yes. I thought throughout reading about this, I thought about that book, and how, um, like, the students were outraged because this scene is what not... What are you doing? Sorry, I have an ingrown eyebrow hair. Thanks. Well, stop picking at well, it. Well, it's ADHD. <laughs> I haven't taken my medicine in, like, two weeks now. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> in any case, I forget that you can see me back. <laughs> um, so... You know, like these situations like this are not necessarily uncommon. Now, this like orgy like situation is a little bit more uncommon than just like yeah. your standard blowjob among teenagers. Um, but so, like, it caused a lot of outrage for that. Um, and one student even commented that for many students, they just lost five friends in one incident because all five of the boys involved were expelled pretty immediately. Um, mm-hmm. So I wrote, the first thing I need to explain to everybody is actually something Aaron says often. The only secret you can keep is the one you keep with yourself. True. True story. So as whispers grew in the hallways, teachers and parents eventually caught wind of what had happened almost a month after it occurred. Look, that that rule applies triple time when you are a teenager. Yep. 
so the administration went to work as soon as they heard about it. They called all six of the parents, like the parents of all six students involved. Mm-hmm. They interviewed, they took written statements from all the students. Um, they started the interview like the Monday after they heard about it. And by that Thursday, they had announced the expulsion of all of the five boys. The girl was put on an indefinite administrative leave. I couldn't find more to see if she'd been expelled or not. Um, But there are a few factors that went into that administrative leave not being the same as an expulsion. Um, One of the factors, or so one of the complex set of factors was A, that she was the girl and the only girl, and that the conversation of coercion had been had more than once. Right. You know, like five to one's a really bad ratio. It really is. Um, and then another thing that went into this is that her teachers were parents at a different school. And teaching's a little bit of the good old boy system. And yeah. teachers have each other's backs. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say there wasn't a whole lot of protection for her parents. In April of 2006, which is a year after the incident at Milton, both of her parents were fired from the private school they worked at in New Hampshire. Wow. Her mother had been a headmistress and her father had been principal. The school's board of trustees alleged that they had used school accounts to improperly write large checks for cash. But the couple denied the charges and I couldn't find anything to see if it was prosecuted Hmm. or what came out, out of that. Um, but it is a little suspect for sure. Yeah. Um, so then the, a spokesperson for Milton Academy said, quote, no school likes to think it's at the end of its options, but the boy should have understood that a five to one situation is definite is definition, uh, is by definition pressurized and coercive. And you can't mm-hmm. assume there's anything mutual about it. It was a very long and challenging conversation for the administrators involved where we tried to be absolutely true to the core principles of the school and at the same time sensitive to the needs of the adolescents we're trying to educate. Um, So these issues at Milton also came on the tail end of two other prestigious private high schools in New England making headlines for sexual misdeeds by students. Excellent. So at St. Paul's School in Concord, New Hampshire, 15 senior girls were disciplined for sexually oriented hazing of younger students, of younger girls. Um, police investigated, but lacked the evidence to file charges against the girls. So they okay. were expelled, however, uh, or disciplined. They weren't expelled, but they were like right. put on growth plans or whatever. Um, yeah. And then trustees at the Groton School were indicted by a grand jury the summer before the stuff at Milton um, on charges of failing to report a 1999 complaint by a 16-year-old who'd said she'd been sexually assaulted by other students. Who said he had been sexually assaulted by other students, I mean. Because part of that uh, is speculated that because he was a boy, it wasn't taken seriously because that happens so often, too. Yes, it does. Um, now... Before this, though, and Milton likes to cover this up. And so this is where, when I couldn't find a whole lot about this particular case, I did some digging. Ooh. And so before this, Milton had not been without its own issues. In 2004, one former student had sued the school, saying he was humiliated by a dorm advisor who chastised him. Um, The... uh, 
the dorm advisor was Latino and he chastised the boy for his white way of thinking over and over. And, um, then there was another lawsuit in 2000 where a student alleged that she was unfairly expelled for expelled man. My Texas came out. (laughs) She was unfairly expelled for class absences that she said were caused by her, um, diagnosed depression. Um, and so I loved, I grabbed this quote that I held on to cause it made my little petty heart giggle because, um, Milton, so Milton being a small township, they have a board of selectmen running mm-hmm. it. And, uh, one of the members of the board of selectmen said, quote, this is evidently a seriously situation, but it's atypical of Milton Academy. Let me tell you, he was wrong. Okay. So fast forward to 2017, when a former Milton student came forward to speak out on sexual abuse he endured at the hand of a teacher while he was at Milton. Whoa! Jamie Forbes was the first to speak out about his experience at Milton Academy in 1981, the summer between his 8th and ninth grade year. A beloved and indulgent teacher at the Massachusetts Prep School was... Uh, leading a school bike trip through Italy, Forbes and his buddies jumped at the chance. He said, quote, opportunities to drink alcohol at that age, that's fairly alluring. And I get it. <laughs> um, I do too. So it was a six-week trek from Genoa to Venice. The only adult was the then 36-year-old Raimundo Buono. Um, he was... <laughs> This newspaper said, quote, the charismatic Pied Piper of Milton's theater department. They took how many kids? Um, I know I have that written down, but I don't remember. It was a small group. Eight boys. Eight okay, boys and one I, teacher. Okay, that makes, I thought it was like a larger, and I was like, what? With no. one teacher? Right. Um, so toward the end of the trip, the eight boys and Buono checked into a small, um, like a hostel in Venice. Yeah. There were not enough beds for everyone. And after a night of drinking, 14 year old Forbes had to bunk with Buono. No, no, no. Canceled. Nope. All of a sudden his hand was roaming around on my body. Forbes said it was, Ew. it was sort of, it was a terrifying experience because I certainly felt like, what did I do to make him think I'd be interested? The next day, Forbes told two of his closest friends, including his uh, his friend Doug Cabot. And so Doug Cabot said, I remember this feeling of freezing as it dawned on me what was happening. Because Cabot hadn't told anybody, but he said that Buono had made a pass at him days earlier. He rebuffed it and infuriated, he confronted his teacher about what had happened to Forbes. I said, Ray, you fucked up. He said, this won't happen again, I promise. Yeah. Um, so I skipped a line, sorry. Um, but Forbes said it did happen again when he got back from Italy, his mom told him that she and his dad were separating. I mean, like, like as they're landing back from the trip and he's about to tell his mom about what happened, she's like, I have something important to tell you. My, your dad and I are separating. So he said, so I didn't say anything about the alleged abuse. See, to me, like, I'm like, well, this day can't get any worse. Let's right. just throw this on top. <laughs> yeah. He said, I didn't say anything, and I just sort of sat with it. Um, 
so his mom feared that he wouldn't have a male role model in his life once his dad left and did not know about the uh, abuse. So she asked uh, the administrators at Milton if Buono would be her son's advisor because they all have like a personal teacher advisor, right? No, no, she didn't. She didn't do that. Mm -hmm. And so Forbes said that would turn into him trying to touch me. So, now, Aaron, do you remember when I told you how students could go visit faculty members in their dorms? Well, don't fucking do that. And this is not me yelling at victims of sexual abuse. This is me yelling at the fucking school who thinks that's an okay policy. I cannot imagine where that policy came from, from that they were like, this is totally a good idea. Right? Okay, so as a teacher, I spend literally every single day making sure that I haven't put myself in a situation that can even be misconstrued as anything but innocent and honest. Yeah. I, I have to make sure that I'm always, like, I always have to make sure that I'm never in a room alone with a student, that mm-hmm. I always have my door open when I have to meet with kids, that I can be seen by another teacher, and basically yeah. that I have an alibi and any situation because there are a lot of creeps out there who don't know how to behave and don't have any business business teaching kids uh yep and those are the re like those people are the reasons why that all teachers need to take extra precautions and schools should not allow teachers students into teachers dorms you dumb fucks yeah agreed (laughs) thank you for attending my ted talk So, all that to say, he said the abuse went on at Buono's on-campus apartment for another six months. And Forbes didn't tell anybody. He felt stuck. He finally did tell his friend Doug Cabot that it had continued. Cabot finally told Forbes' mother, who went went to the administration of Milton Academy. And good old Buono kept his job. Because teachers are still a good old boy system. Forbes said, to the best of his knowledge, nobody ever called the police about the situation. Yep, Erin's got both her middle fingers up, and I think she just tried to use one of her toes, too. I don't know how that worked. (laughs) I'm really good at what I do. Uh, (laughs) And so, um, this poor guy said, in order to stop Ray, I would have to be exposed in some kind of way, and that was scary. The abuse stopped, and that's what I cared about. So finally, in the spring of 2016, the Boston Globe did a spotlight series on sexual abuse at private schools, which prompted the administration at Milton to ask students and alumni if they'd ever been hurt. And I'm so glad they're so quick on the uptake. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it only took you 30 years from the time that this was reported to you for you to ask some questions. Well, weren't they also working on the whole bringing down the Catholic Church thing? I mean, there's so much going on. I mean, there's only one newspaper. Right? No, I'm at Milton Academy. Like, the Globe is doing great work. I thought even the Boston Globe was like... No, I'm so glad that Milton is so quick on the uptake. Right. No. (laughs) The Boston Globe's kind of doing God's work. Yeah. Uh, Nobody else is going to. So when Milton opened this to ask if anyone had ever been hurt at school, Forbes was literally the first to come forward. And his participation helped prompt an official and independent investigation. They actually hired an independent firm to come in. And that way there was no attached bias. I mean, I feel like y'all could have done that a long time ago since you have so much fucking money. Right. Um, And wouldn't you know, this investigation found at least a dozen other former students who said Buono had abused them as well. No way. Um. 
Yeah. Curiouser apparently and if, curiouser. Apparently, if you don't stop a guy, he keeps doing it. No. A school sp- That doesn't sound right. Right? A school- Ted Bundy totally <laughs> stopped after he got caught, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. A school spokesperson declined to um, be interviewed, but in a letter to the Milton community, the headmaster at the time said, or the the um, spokesperson said that the headmaster at the time, quote, had some knowledge of Ray Buono's misconduct in 1982 when Jamie Forbes's mother went to school leaders and that, quote, and that Milton, quote, failed to protect students and failed to investigate. No. Oh, man. Look at you. Knowing all those words. I know. It only took 38 years. (laughs) Right? Um, So the 2017 investigation revealed that four other former employees, or three other former employees had engaged in illegal sexual misconduct with students in the 70s and 80s. The most egregious, of course, and prolific of which being Ronaldo Buono. Mm-hmm. He continued working at the school, even um, resuming the Italy trips, Jamie said, until 1987. So five more years. When the teacher finally admitted to abusing another student. Like, they finally let him go when he came and confessed. Milton decided that five years of abusing young kids was finally enough. Like, that's where they draw the line. Five years is excessive and greedy. Like, fun's over. (laughs) Go back to public school. You're grounded. So, Milton used the information recovered in the independent investigation to finally do the right thing at some point, however. And on June 27th, 2018, Buono was arraigned in Norfolk Superior Court on three counts of rape of a child and three counts of rape of a child with force. The district attorney alleged the rape uh, happened while Buono was teaching at the school between 1975 and 1987. Um, Buono was terminated in 1987 after admitting to molesting a student and he'd been living in Southeast Asia. Hmm. So that is what I have for you for Milton Academy. Thanks, I hate it. You're so welcome. That was fun. That was so much fun. Actually, the movie was fun, so. So all I care about. Mm. So this week, next week, some week. Uh-huh. What are we going to do? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? Um... Uh... Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. Do we have any badass survivor stories left? Mm, Cleveland Cleveland abduction? We can do that. All right. I mean, it's dark, but it's a badass survivor story if you've ever heard one. I love survival stories. Yes. Okay. So we'll next week we'll do Cleveland abduction. Yes. Excellent. I mean, we do also have Girl in the Box down there somewhere. I know. I know. I keep skirting around it. I know. <laughs> I didn't think about it first, or I would have said it. Oh well, it's fine. 
We'll do it someday. We're going to have to. All right. <laughs> well, until Sorry. next. Oh, go ahead. I don't remember when I was gonna... Oh. Um, we just want to thank you for spending your time with us and for the recommendations you've been giving out and yes. for liking and commenting and subscribing to all of our social medias and um, all that fun stuff. And I mean, if you come and subscribe to our Patreon, we're going to do a Netflix watch party in the next couple of weeks, yep. like with everyone. So... Yep. I'm do it. It's going to be super fun. Patreon.com slash Lifetime Sentence. We're going to do a Netflix watch party all together. We're going to roll out a few options for our Patreon people to vote on. Yes. And yeah, it's going to be super fun. Um, side note, did you see that they're releasing another episode of Joe Exotic? Yeah. Tiger King? I'm pumped. I am too. When is that coming out though? Sometime this coming week. Woohoo! So... Uh, well, until next time, don't forget to follow uh -huh. us on social media. Oh, there you go. Yeah, don't you interrupt <laughs> me. I know what I'm doing kind of sometimes, a little bit. <laughs> LOL. You can find us on Instagram at Lifetime Sentence. Mm -hmm. And on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Lifetime Sentence. Mm -hmm. You can find us on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod. Mm-hmm. You can find our defunct website at lifetimesentence.com. Yep. Uh, you can join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash lifetimesentence. And okay. shoot us emails at lifetimesentencepodcast at gmail.com. Yes, you did it. You do Ooh, kind of sort of know what you're doing. That's sometimes. a mouthful. You have to do a I lot would... of work. I know. <laughs> well, do you have anything to add? No. Well, Just thank y'all. Keep please rate, review, subscribe, do the things. We love you all and come back for more. Absolutely. Don't forget to eat your vegetables. Charge your phone. Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.